So Momo was brought up um, with her dad treating her like fucking Pinocchio, where he's like, if you do enough good deeds, you'll be a real girl. Um, and that's why... <laughs> I shit you not, this robot scientist told his robot daughter I forgot about that he sure did <laughs> he sure Pinocchio'd his girl and she got swallowed by a whale, Xenosaga's Pinocchio it's the fifth Pinocchio movie of 2022 <laughs> <laughs> um, but dad I won't have the will to power <laughs> Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I am the infinite telemarass. I am not an anti-existence. I am the perfect chain. And this week, we talk anime and Nietzsche with the Xenosaga episode one, De Wilsemacht. Uh Before I absolutely lose my mind... Remember, you can help me on uh, us on Mortified Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for a monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. So, famously, almost exactly a year ago, we decided to do a deep dive into a franchise with notoriously convoluted lore, and that was, of course, the Kingdom Hearts franchise. Correct. What are we doing? What do we do next? Metal, Metal Gear Solid? Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I think our listeners were probably hoping that we would not do any more wild video game bullshit. Metal Gear Solid would actually be very good. I think that we have to put that on the list. But um, this is uh, something that you have been wanting to dive into for a while. Um, will you care to explain to the listeners what the Xenosaga franchise is? So one day on the school bus in 2004, um, I got a recommendation to play this wild video game um, by my friend in school. Shout out to him. Not going to name drop him for privacy reasons. Um, and Xenosaga is a trilogy that was supposed to be six games. And it's about, it's a space opera that has to do with Jesus. Yeah, it sure... <laughs> It sure tries to, at least in this first one. Um, I will. So, listeners, Layla, you know, Layla is a aficionado, a connoisseur of the Xenosaga franchise. Uh, there is a there is a phrase in uh, the Christianity community um, called where they refer to two people as not being equally yoked. Me and Layla are not equally yoked uh, in regards to Xenosaga. I have watched the cutscene video. Layla did generously. Uh, send me her copies of the Xenosaga games. Uh, unfortunately, my poor sweet PS2 could not handle the complex ideas of the <laughs> Xenosaga franchise and did unfortunately die <laughs> 10 minutes into uh, me playing the first game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll learn about Machine Heaven here in a bit. Um, oh, we learned about it in uh, the, the series finale of Supernatural because cars go to heaven. Are you finding this can't. out for the first time now? No, I know. I've been on Tumblr. I know what you're talking about. We can't get into it. Um, but, Layla, could you please... I'm just... Listeners, I want you to know, if the, fee, the five of you that are going to be hanging in here with us, <laughs> I am 
just as confused as you are. So, Layla, please. Please explain to both me and <laughs> our audience <laughs> what happened in Xenosaga Episode 1. Okay, for the sake of our listeners, I'm not actually going to explain this in game order because we jump between three timelines in the game. I'm going to just tell you what happened in chronological order because at this point, I am a little bit of an expert on the Xenosaga timeline. Ten years before present day, in the year of our Lord, what is it, like 52-something, Transcend Christ? Yes. Which is just an excellent... TC instead of AD. <laughs> So 10 years ago, um, the key conflict that this whole series revolves around is something called the Milshan Conflict. It was the Utic organization, evil shadow Catholics, um, versus the Galactic Federation, which is exactly what it sounds like, the Federation government, like the United Peoples of, of the universe. Is it the UN? Yeah! They're the UN. They're Space UN. Okay. Space UN. Thank you. In, during the Milshan Conflict, Joachim Mizrahi, the madman scientist, plays something called the Song of Nephilim. It is just a spooky little girl song. You know, it's just real creepy and airy. And this makes a, uh, a contingent of quote-unquote mechanical soldiers, they're very human-like, called uh, realians, specifically combat realians, start to get very violent. Um, and... The main character of this franchise, Shion, loses her parents during the Milshan conflict. So that's 10 years ago. That's what you know about then. Two years before the start of the story, Shion, again, the main character, and her boyfriend, Kevin Winnicott, are working on something called the Cosmos prototype. Cosmos is an anti-gnosis combat system. She is literally a hot, blue-haired android that is specifically made to fight the aliens that the Song of Nephilim summoned during the Milchan conflict. It's something no one's ever seen before. They turn people into salt. It's very spooky. Um, Cosmos starts herself up when the Utic, evil Catholics, invade the Vector evil Amazon. Well, just Amazon. Um, They invade the Amazon labs vector and they attack. Uh, uh, Cosmos starts herself up and actually kills Kevin. Two years later in the present day, Shion is working on Cosmos and starting, that's your tutorial level, is is going into Cosmos's subconscious via VR to kind of like do her startup tests. Um, They are on the vector ship, or sorry, the Federation ship well, Glinde, where Vector has a presence. Um, something happens when uh, uh, the crew of the Volglinde picks up something called the Zohar emulator. The Zohar is a Jesus battery. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in mind. Okay. This attracts the Gnosis to the Volglinde. The Gnosis attack the Volglinde. Cosmos starts up and evacuates three key people. Shion her simp co-worker, Alan, and Commander Cherenkov. Um, you only really need to remember Shion and Alan because Cherenkov dies in this game and never gets brought up again. Um, they evacuate the ship to the Elsa, which is a, a freighter ship, and uh, they tell the Elsa, hey, take us to Second Milsha. Second Milsha, exactly what it sounds like. It's like Milsha, but they moved it. Milsha is now an independent government outside of the Federation. It does not belong to the Federation. It's an independent thing. That's important because there's, like, conflicts. Um, while that's all happening, elsewhere in the Federation, 
there's something called the sub contact subcommittee. They commission a suicidal cyborg named Ziggurat 8 to go fetch a little girl robot from the UTIC. The little girl robot is technically Yoakim, the madman, Mizrahi's daughter. In her head, she has something called the Y data, which will help people access old Milsha to get the original Jesus battery Zohar. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Ziggy goes to save Momo. That's where she names him Ziggy. Uh, and then he, they escape. And on the way out of the Utic fleet, they get picked up by the Elsa. Um, and then Commander Cherenkov starts to get a little batty. And he summons uh, something called the Cathedral Ship, which is a 16-kilometer wide gnosis that eats them. While this is happening, the Kukai Foundation, which is a paramilitary group, is... Uh, Checking the wreckage of the Woglinde um, to see if they can collect any, any I think, any data on Utic. Uh, and they actually end up engaging with Utic um, in, in combat. Once that's done, they return to, the, to, the, to their ship. Um, oh, my God, what is their ship called? The Durandal. Uh, and, you know, they're there. The main crew, Cosmos, Alan, Shion, Ziggy, Momo all find Commander Cherenkov inside the cathedral ship as he's having flashbacks to his wife being very, very mean to him. And we get hints that something is very, very wrong with him. He is somehow connected to, or is a Zohar emulator. And once upon a time, he ate a planet. Now he's a spy for the Utic. He turns into a Gnosis and Shion has to kill him. He, at his little mind beach, we all love mind beaches if you've listened to our Death Stranding episode, uh, he's at peace there and Shion can leave him. Once the cathedral ship is done, they all go and rejoin the crew uh, on the Durandal. So everyone is together now. Shion, Cosmos, the uh, combat android, uh, Chaos, who was on the Elsa and can melt Gnosis with his hands. Wonder what that's about. Um... Alan, even though he's not a combat character, Ziggy, the sci suicidal cyborg dad, Momo, uh, Yoki Mizrahi's daughter, and Junior, who is the... <laughs> Aaron referred to him as the sweet life of Zack and Cody CEO of the Kukai Foundation. <laughs> um, so all those guys get together. They all continue on the quest of Second Milsha. At Second Milsha, they get intercepted because the Utic Foundation doctored footage of the Kukai Foundation fucking around in the Woglinde airspace and made it look like they blew up the Woglinde, which is a Federation ship. Um, in order to prove their innocence, the crew has to deep dive into Cosmos's subconscious to uh, get her encrypted data of the incident. They end up reliving the Milshan conflict as they all experienced it, which for Shion was losing her parents, for Junior was... Um, for Junior, we don't quite know what's going on with Junior. He was infected by something called Udu, which is a living god virus. Um, wonder how that happened. Uh, hmm. wonder, wonder what the implications of that are. I wonder what happened there. Um, I'm sure it's a normal thing, yeah. Completely. And for, uh, you know, uh, for Momo, she gets to kind of see her father, um, not at his best. He's just, like, madly reciting scripture uh, as he is about to die. And uh, I believe Ziggy gets to revisit the death of his son. Um... So as that all happens, um, they get their data, then they have to go beat the Utic to Old Milsha to get the what they believe is the original Zohar, the Jesus battery. Um, and while that's happening, they get intercepted by Albedo, who works for the Utic and is Junior's brother. 
Um, he is creepy and awful. He kidnaps Momo again so that he can get the data in her head. Um, he <laughs> is on the ship, the Song of Nephilim, which plays the Song of Nephilim, then summons a different ship called the Proto Merkaba, which the Song of Nephilim plugs into. And if it plugs into it, everyone's in trouble. So the last mission of the gang is to get on the Proto Merkaba, destroy it from the inside, and make a narrow escape back to Second Milsha. Um, and that is the first game. And then the the only big reveal that we do have to talk about is there's a sexist asshole who hates realians named Virgil who dies in the Wuglinde. He is revealed to be a masked blue figure called the Blue Testament at the end of the game. That's Xenosaga 1. Against all odds, I do think that helped me understand the game more. So thank you for that, Layla. I am an expert at this point. In, in the Federation, in UTIC. We haven't even gotten... There's a whole other organization behind UTIC. Ah, oh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Of course, there's an Organization 13. Uh, we'll get there. Um, so, uh, that was a lot of nouns. Uh, <laughs> perhaps we should help our audience, uh, who we have almost certainly entirely driven away at this point. Uh, but we can still talk about the characters... Um, as you know, as as in much detail as we can, starting with our great doctor Shion. Yeah, uh, so I should warn you, Shion Uzuki is not ever the same person in any of these installments. Good. Great. Yeah. You could say goodbye to consistent characterization for our girl. Okay. Well in this one, um, I mean she seems like kind of a, a depressed scientist. I mean she she's like really smart, but also like a little bit aloof. Um, it really is only concerned with Cosmos and the fact that her boyfriend got murdered by Cosmos. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, that's kind of it. Um, I mean, she's like, I mean, this game came out in like 2002, right? So like, I, I don't, like, they, they can't explicitly queer code her, but it does very strongly imply that she is in love with Cosmos. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, she, she's your protagonist. She's, she's cool. Yeah, I like that when she, uh, uh, when the Wuglinde is getting attacked, I think one of the most, like, iconic Xion moments is Virgil is pointing a gun at her from inside of a giant robot, and she calls him rude and pushes it away. That's her. <laughs> she has no sense of self-preservation. <laughs> no, she kicks ass. Um, um, Cosmos, our Cosmos girl. is the greatest. Uh, she is, you know... She's, 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 you know, she's like an android, you know, a sexy android that can produce a seemingly infinite number of guns from her body. Um, she can, you know, blow up space whales and, um, probably my, my favorite bit from her is when there's like a guy, like one of their allies, they're trying to fight all these like crab aliens, the Gnosis, uh, in in the first act of the game. And there's like a guy standing in front of her uh, and she just shoots straight through him, killing him to to get to the Gnosis. And then she was like, why did you do that? And she's like, "Uh, it would only, (laughs) killing him only (laughs) resulted in a 0.2% loss of efficacy. Uh, So it was fine. (laughs) And I was like, ah, she, our Cosmos, you kick ass. Uh, I love Cosmos. She's great. And that was Virgil, by the way, who got blown full of holes. Yeah, extremely good. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, fuck, fuck, fuck Virgil. <laughs> so he yeah. deserved it. You know who doesn't deserve anything uh, other than the best things in the world? Uh, <laughs> Alan, <laughs> love of my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he is wholly in love with uh, Shion. Um, he 
they're like basically everybody in the lab is like hey alan why don't you just ask her out and he's like oh i can't i'm so scared oh she doesn't have eyes for anything she would never notice a a, a poor guy like me and like that statement bears out to be true when like after the ship is attacked uh they are like doing a, a body count and then alan just shows up and he's like wait you guys didn't you weren't worried i was dead and they're like no i didn't even notice uh <laughs> and i was like if i was alan i would turn into a mass murderer uh, because that poor man alan is I, I have some fun alan facts that don't have any any bearing on the the plot um namely that he is extremely wealthy uh alan is rich as shit does not talk about it. He is a wealthy, beautiful simp. Half of Alan's scenes in this game are him helping Shion clean up after dinner. Angel. I love him. I'm team... I'm I'm an Alan stan. Like, I truly... He... <laughs> everyone in this game annoys me at some point or another. Not him. I love that coward. Yeah, I know. He, he's kind of like a, like a baby who is just like, oh, I'm just in love with Shion so much, but I can't even, you know, I'm so closed off to my own emotions, I can't even articulate that. But well, he's very funny. He watched Kevin die. Oh, I didn't realize he was there. I So he, like, he understands that she's, like, grieving. That's part okay. of it. Okay, so he's cool. All right. Good for yeah. Alan. Yeah. How do you feel about Ziggy? I mean, okay. Is, is Ziggy a realian? No, Ziggy is a cyborg. Oh, okay, good. It's There's so- a difference between realians and cyborgs. Okay, Great. I, here, I'll do it quick. Humans, fully biological humans. Mm-hmm. URTVs, which is what Junior is, are designer combat children, specifically designed to uh, stop the presence of Udu, which is the living virus. Realians are human-looking, but um, like they're they're built. They're manufactured people. Um, then there's, uh, a combat realians, and then there's observational realians, which is what Momo is. Um, and then there's androids, which is just Cosmos, because people remark on how she's, like, something out of a sci-fi novel out of our time. Um, and then there's cyborgs, which are humans with partial robot bodies. And the way Ziggy ends up a cyborg is he kills himself, and because of the Life Recycling Act, which is, people, it's illegal to kill yourself, he gets turned into a cyborg against his will, and he, uh, sold his service to the Federation. Excellent. Great. Um, yeah, I mean, Ziggy's pretty cool. He's like, I hate I hate my job, but I will protect this little girl. Um, and you know what? That's good. I like Ziggy. Yeah, he fucking rules. Um, he also, he refuses to update his body. He is, he is, um, he is literally trying to die in obsolescence. Listen, I think we've all been at that point where it's just like, I'm not getting another fucking phone update, Apple. I'm not going to download the new uh, Audacity firmware that puts weird spyware in my computer. I, I want to stay on the fucking most obsolete version until the, the software just doesn't work anymore. Um, and I respect that, Ziggy. Yeah. And uh, Ziggy's charge, uh, Momo, who gets a rough deal in the first two games, but in the third one, she really gets to shine. Yeah. I mean, she's just kind of like a kid. Um, they, there's a weird bit where it's implied that she's in love with, um, Junior? Little Master, Junior, um, fucking Rubido. He has Mm -hmm. three names, which I don't love, but it's fine, I guess. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I guess they play on a beach once and that's fine. Um, she's, I mean, she's cool. I think, yeah, I mean, she gets, like, tortured by, uh, Albedo, which sucks, but, uh, yeah, I, I think she's cool. She does a lot of like she has a lot of cute scenes with um, 
with Ziggy and, you know, they talk about how, you know, they are oppressed by the human ruling class and that's interesting. Um, she does have like a weird complex with her parents. Like she is constantly seeking out affection from um, her mom, who is a part of the, um, the, the subcommittee, the contact subcommittee. Um, and, she, you know, she's always being like, her mom is like not acknowledging her. Um, and she's just always reaching out and, and never getting any affection from her mom. And she, she misses her dad quite a bit. Um, and also there's a bit where she walks into a room and there's like a hundred different corpses of her, uh, there and she calls them her sisters and then they're all like oh he only had eyes for you um so yeah, yeah she goes through a lot they're her prototypes okay that makes sense and that's why albedo has them because they were on the song and the song was built by yokim Yo- okay um <laughs> cherenkov he's just a weird guy yeah, I, don't, I don't want to talk about him i hate him uh, kevin <laughs> I don't know. He's like he was a boy. The only thing we should bring up about Kevin is that he <laughs> he designed Cosmos, right? Like he was he was a big part of Cosmos, including like like her soul, right? Like basically, like he was like I'm the only person. I made a black box specifically so nobody knows what goes inside Cosmos. So and then he got shot. <laughs> so like Cosmos is a is an infinite mystery now that only Shion can you know slowly puzzle out over time. Um, and I guess. All I have to say about that is, like, if you're going to build, you know, a, a, a robot, sexy robot deity with, you know, fucking chain guns that come out of her arms, maybe you could leave an instruction manual. And uh, a alien vacuum in her tummy and a cannon in one of her arms. She gets a scythe. If you if you send a right email at the right time, she get a scythe. That's very cool. I love that. It's dope as hell. Um, so you brought up that. Or, or Yoakim Mizrahi is, is next on our list. Um, he's not personally in there very long, but, like, how you feeling? You think you think people are speaking the truth about him? You think he was a mad scientist? I mean, it does seem like he brought the Gnosis into the world, which does seem bad. Um, yeah. So, it's from what I know... For humanity. It, yeah, also, yeah, so I personally, if I lived in the world of Xenosaga, would not like the man who brought the crabs that turn everybody into salt um, into our ecology. I think that would not be cool, and I wouldn't like him. Um, also, he seems to not treat his daughter very well, um, or his prototype daughters he definitely didn't treat well. Um, I mean, based, I mean, that's that was my impression. It seemed like, it seemed like he was just kind of, cranking out robot children and maybe i just think that maybe he could have been a better dad i agree i do think he could have been a better dad to his robot children and um his his actual daughter dun, dun, dun. oh good great good more mysteries yeah. can't wait to unravel that he just oh. he just gives me big gendo ikari vibes and i don't like that oh yeah xenosaga 2 is a real big mizrahi family drama it's a lot um Excellent. so you brought up that Junior slash Little Master slash Rubido does have three names. So, um, Rubido, Albedo, and Negredo, red, white, black, are alchemical concepts. There are technically four alchemical concepts. We're just going to talk about Albedo, Rubido, and Negredo really, really quick. Um, the fourth mm-hmm. one will come up later. Um, sure. Albedo, uh, uh, purification, uh, whiteness, because he has white hair. Negredo, blackness, he has black hair. Um, which is spiritual death, and uh, Rubido is um, the red one. Um, mm-hmm. and He's our sweet life of Zach and Cody CEO. <laughs> uh, 
Um, he signaled alchemical success and the end of great work. And it has something to do with, um, I believe, fire and violence also. So more sure. meanings. You could have said literally anything and I would have said, yeah, that sounds right. Oh, um, yeah. We're going to find out a lot about the URTVs in Xenosaga 2. It's a big, it's a good time. Yeah, I, I suspect I missed a lot of context because like they just brought up the word URTV uh, and uh, while I was watching this, and I was like, okay, that's that means nothing to me, but I guess this guy is one of those. Um, and I guess he, that means he's a combat child, which, like, frankly, a lot of the children in this franchise do seem to be combat-focused. Um, and I think we should probably, you know, talk to the Xenosaga, you know, educators about perhaps diversifying uh, their educational opportunities. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like Rubido. He's, like, kind of... <laughs> he's, like, weirdly charming. Like, um, he... Like, whenever Shion is sad, he's like, oh, hey, what's going on? Like, he, he he just reminds me of of those, like, Disney Channel protagonists who would, like, go up to, you know, women who are much more, much older than them and hit on them. And it's, like, funny because it's like, ah, it's a kid trying to put the moves on an adult woman. Um, and, you know, in that weird way. But also, like, he, he you know, seems to be kind of nice. Um, he, he gets very excited when his, his brother gives him a gun. Uh with uh, <laughs> and like he's like this is this is so cool thank you for for doing this for me um and also he's like a super genius and he like created a space beach that with weather patterns that can alternate and that's c- cool i guess and he's wild but uh i i think he's also extremely good he wants to be a cowboy so bad <laughs> yeah yeah uh i guess we should talk about his evil twin uh albedo who, you know, like you said, just, you know, he sucks. He's a fucking bad guy, even though he has the greatest line, um, you know, in the history of literature um, that I have had as my Twitter header for a couple weeks. But, um, yeah, he sucks. He's, he, like, tortures Momo, and I hate him, so. Yeah, he, I, he you know, you, you meet him. He's got white hair. He's got a cape. He's a little bit of a drama queen. He's a little mysterious. You're like, oh, what's this guy's deal? And then you find out what his deal is, and you're like, wow, I hate your deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, just, sometimes you, you just get somebody who is a generic psychopath and it's like okay all right we get it and you that's, can't get rid of him fine. for three fucking games yeah good just, glad 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 that we'll see more of him in the future oh so much more of him um we should honorable mention negredo uh who is guinan senior junior's dad brother he's posing as his dad he's his brother yeah yeah sure Cause, is because junior Fun fact, older than he appears. Wonder yeah, why. like apparently a, wa- a lot older than he appears, despite the fact that his whole deal is a combat child. Also, um, the number 666 appears on his palm, uh, mm-hmm. and that's just never explained to me. So It's because he's URTV number 666. Of course he is. Because there were 669 of them, and I believe 665 died. wonder where the other four are. Yeah, I mean, I know I saw six six nine. Is that's, is that Albedo or or Negretto? I want to say Albedo six six eight. Okay. Or six cool. six seven. The fourth one might be six six eight. We'll find. Well, out. It's whatever. It's the color. It's the color boys. It's all the color boys. Yeah, I'm yeah, assuming. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Junior is supposed to be their age. Wonder why he's not aging. Yeah, fucking wild. Maybe it's because of the weird virus that showed up in the third act mm. of the game. That means nothing to me, but it's fine. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, do we have to talk about the the crew, the weird like scavenger crew? Uh, they're cool. I love Hammer. They're fine. 
Hammer's ha- great. Hammer and Tony are very funny. Yeah. They they do funny things in the background of cutscenes a lot. They dance and fight. I love them. They're great. Yep. Matthews nice. is like weirdly sexist. Space mm-hmm, sexism. Yeah. yeah, he says something about how like there hasn't been a drop of estrogen or no, Shion, I think, actually says this, but she's like, Oh, there hasn't been a drop of estrogen on this ship, so no wonder your your food all sucks. And it's like Man, this really was written in at the turn of the century, huh? Yeah, she Wild. had a little bimbo at one point or another. Yeah, but that guy gets turned into salt, so it's fine. Yeah, you're right. Um, we should talk about chaos. What do you think his deal is? I he can just he's just good at killing the the gnosis, right? That's his whole deal. Uh huh. Great, good. I can't <laughs> believe, man, the the fucking <laughs> secrets upon secrets that I have yet to learn. Excellent. Yeah. Um. Last one, Margulis. Um, he's in Utic. He's in the evil Catholics. He wants yeah. the original Zohar, him and his friend Pellegrin, um, mm-hmm. who is just... Um, this is, he's not that interesting in this game. I want you to pay attention to him in Xenosaga 2. I mean, it seems like he's the big bad, besides the- Albedo, who seems like because of his big personality, is a slightly bigger bad. But, like, it seems like Margulis is pulling the strings. Like, he was the one who was, like, telling the commander what to do. Can't wait for you to find out all the shit that's Good. happening. Um, Good. <laughs> Margulis, I just want you to pay attention to him next game. Um, I think him and Xion's brother are fucking. Xion's brother? Yeah, Jin. She talks to him on the Woglinde. Oh, okay. And you I didn't see realize... him in the final cutscene. Like oh, okay. Um, I guess he's sleeping with Xion's brother. Excellent. Good. Can't yeah. wait. No, they're, they are the only two people on, in these games that get their own song. It's literally called Jin and Margulis. Fellas. Fellas? Is it gay? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll ask those questions next game because I have a feeling you'll watch. Because it's literally like the, the entire opening is about them of the second game. Um, the vibes are off the charts, fellas. Excellent. Great. Yeah. All right. There, there are a lot of vibes. Okay, that's that's enough characters, I think. Yeah, they're fun. They're a fun group of people. None of them look like they're dressed for the same event. No, they're all going to wildly <laughs> different cons. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so Layla, um, I have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I possess the language to speak them, but no, I'm gonna please. give it a shot. Um. I guess the first thing, you talked about the Jesus batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a Zohar, uh-huh. and why does it need emulators? Great question. I have no fucking clue. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> when I say Jesus battery, it literally, from what I understand, it is a, a source. The Zohar itself is a source of infinite power, and the emulators were made to try and replicate it, but they can't. Um, and they're also, I believe the emulators are supposed to be a way to access the original Zohar. Couldn't tell you why. If you think okay. Kingdom Hearts has retconning, these are supposed to be six games. They got crammed into three. Some shit Excellent. got left behind. Follow-up question. Why are they named after the apostles? And also, um, what was the, they had, they had two secret apostles, which I think was very <laughs> funny. Um, Wait, they had two Boanerges and Marionkind. <laughs> Marionkind is child of mary <laughs> okay so jesus that makes sense okay sure yeah i've read the da vinci code um <laughs> that's right <laughs> you did a whole other podcast huh? mm-hmm. um who is bow and <laughs> i don't 
know. I was hoping you knew. God damn it. I'm gonna have to Google Boanerges. Um... <laughs> Okay, so first Milsha, that got all fucked up during the the time that um, Mizrahi, Mr. Mizrahi, called all the Gnosis with his cool song. Yes, the Milshan conflict. Okay. So did they build a new planet, or did they take the ruins of first Milsha and, and they, they did the SpongeBob thing, which is where they took their problem and shoved it? Okay. The Song of Nephilim sealed Milsha away from space like okay. they, it's just sealed and the only way to access it is with the y data inside of momo's head okay that is why they want to get momo that makes sense okay um so how did mr misrahi get the gnosis like what how did was he just like doing a lot of like reading like just checking books out of like the forbidden section in the library and then he stumbled across this great this great song that brought all the gnosis to the yard is that what I'm supposed... Is that all I need to know? For now. Okay. Um, For now. Who is Nephilim? Great question. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so... Listen, what I is, know who Nephilim is. Okay, yes. All right. Great. <laughs> I just... It's just that they. she shows up a lot in... Um, mm-hmm. Shion's dreams constantly and she's like hey Shion it's me Nephilim I'm important I waited here for you I wanted you to have you know to see me come here um I'm gonna be really important but not in this video game bye um and I just thought that maybe I'd miss something Nephilim is connected to chaos and Fabronia sure mm-hmm. yeah Fabronia okay. the realium that raised Shion that Virgil called out to as he died excellent yes cool um, and I guess, what is U- Udo? That's the virus, right? What does Udo sound like to you? Just three letters. Udo. Udo. Don't overthink um, it. Udo. Three letters. What's the, what's a three letter word? Three letter word. Unidentified. No, literally, what is another three letter word in your common vocabulary that like vaguely sounds like Udo? Udo. Three. What's another three letter word? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. God, Aaron, that's where it's <laughs> I would never have got that in a hundred thousand years. It's a it's a god virus. Okay. Um It gets so, more complicated than that, but it's a god virus. Okay. Is God real in Xenosaga? And with that, let's talk about <laughs> Nietzsche. <laughs> So, in a futile attempt to understand this video game, I did spend about an hour reading um Frederick Nietzsche's uh, text that this game is based on, uh, The Will to Power. And, like, I guess there are some ideas in that book that play out in this game, which I was very shocked by, frankly, um, that they pulled this off. But, like, this game is very concerned with concepts of what, you know, treating a person like a person and how a person who or something that cannot be a person can become a person. Would you say that's, you know... Do you think that's accurate, Layla? Yes. Okay. So, like, th- there's a bunch of, like, shit about how the Realians are just, like, people that get treated poorly, but they're not people. Like, at one point, the commander gets his personhood taken away, and he his you know, he is a... I think he's a human, originally. Um, but, like, he gets downgraded to Realian status. And, like, that's, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right there. But, like, right, this... I'm just gonna have to open up my fucking Nietzsche notes, but basically, like, so 
Nietzsche talks about how... <sighs> First off, Nietzsche hates Christians, which is very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, considering so, this is a game based off Nietzsche and the mythology of the Bible. Yeah, like, so that, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, but, like, basically what he talks about... Um, is like this idea that so the utility of preservation not some abstract theoretical need not to be deceived stands as the motive behind the development of the organs of knowledge they develop in such a way that their observations suffice for our preservation in other words the measure of the desire for knowledge depends upon the measure to which the will to power that's important grows in a species a species grasps a certain amount of reality in order to become master of it in order to press it into service so what I take that to mean is that Nietzsche believes that if you are like to in order to like become you know like like animals basically evolve in order to have more knowledge to gain more knowledge and therefore more power to and with that knowledge because knowledge is power warp reality around them to to create the conditions for, uh, in which they exist um and if you look at Xenosaga through the lens of like, oh, people are trying to gain more knowledge in order to, you know, make themselves into persons, right? To to actually form, you know, what we would consider a person. Like that that's very interesting, right? Because, you know, Xion is a constructed, you know, she's a like you said, an android, right? Or not Xion, Cosmos. Cosmos is an android, but like Cosmos is constantly getting shit that Xion did not put in her. And I think that's very interesting, right? Because it's like, okay, so we have it. We have a you know we have quote quote animal that is constantly evolving new means to by which they can warp the reality around them, um, and it's like okay, so is and then you know we get a lot of Christ imagery. Cosmos does at least you know two T poses in this game, um, if if not more. I didn't play the actual gameplay, but like it's very clear that Cosmos is a Christ figure, um, and like. There, you know, Nietzsche has a lot of very bad 19th century race stuff, um, but, like, one of his most famous com- concepts is the idea of the, the Ubermensch, right? The perfect man, right? And I think that where this, you know, it seems like where this franchise is going is, like, Cosmos is trying to, you know, become the perfect being, um, and in that way, you know, we are going to see you know, what the game writers think of the, these kind of ideas about becoming a, a person or a perfect person and, you know, what what a perfect person does when they have a lot of power. So I think that concept is actually better illustrated with Momo and Albedo because Cosmos doesn't have any... She gets knowledge thrust upon her, right? And and that's her power. Albedo and Momo are both seeking knowledge in order to, again, like, come to the will to power and, and to become human in two opposing ways, right? So Momo was brought up um, with her dad treating her like fucking Pinocchio, where he's like, if you do enough good deeds, you'll be a real girl. Um, and that's why... <laughs> that's- <laughs> I shit you not, this robot scientist told his robot daughter. I forgot about that. He sure did. <laughs> he sure Pinocchioed his girl. And she got swallowed by a whale. Xenosaga's Pinocchio. It's the fifth Pinocchio movie of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> um, but dad, I won't have the will to power. <laughs> 
so, but Momo is an observational realian with the access to all sorts of knowledge and, you know, the power to observe and, and, and grow. She is very growth-minded and she thinks she can become, like, a real girl if she's just good enough. Um, meanwhile, Albedo wants the knowledge that Udu presents him, which is, you know, him his infinite telemorass bullshit where he... Um, uh, is linked with Udu after the Milshin conflict um, and is gaining the knowledge of the universe and uh, using it not necessarily for evil but only for self-preservation and has a more like cynical view of the world um, where he wants to, him and Utik want to return it to kind of a different state of being um, where like Old Milsha, original Jerusalem, like our Jerusalem, they're on fifth Jerusalem now, by the way, um, are all kind of, <laughs> um, they're all kind of, you know, back in the, um, back in the fray, so to speak. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that is interesting, because, like, I don't know shit about Nietzsche, and I played these games when I was a baby, so, but that is, like, they did, you know, we like to ask on here, did this set out what it was trying to do? And, like, at least in that respect, hard college try. Yeah, they are definitely playing with these ideas of personhood and people trying to use knowledge and, you know, shape the world around them, you know, create or morality for themselves, right? You know, if you are doing a game, I guess this is this is a little bit of a Christian-centric point of view, um, but, like, if you are doing a game in which, you know, you are involving, you know, Jesus Christ, right, and you are positing him as, you know, not, not a god, right— you know, and you are talking about what that means, um, like then you are you are you know, not necessarily, but like you can definitely have a conversation about nihilism, and it's like okay, what if God is not a god? You know, um, what what's what's Nietzsche's fam famous line? You know, uh, God is dead, uh, and we have killed him. Like you know, we are, we are trying to um, talk about they are they are employing these ideas of. You know, you know, creating morality and creating people, you know, like literally becoming gods, you know, humans have become, become gods themselves and creating these people. And th they're doing stuff with those ideas, those, I, you know, what they are doing, the ways in which I, they was conveyed to me are fucking incomprehensible. <laughs> but they're trying and that that is cool. Yeah, I mean, like, you know. Listen, the only way, reason I understand what the fuck is going on is because I've played all three games very recently with the background of having played the first two, like, years prior and having done, like, a dick ton of reading on what's happening. Because, again, this was supposed to be six of these bad boys. A lot got left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they, these are very dense texts, right? Like, if if you managed to make it through the summary, right, you 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 saw the fucking thesaurus that Layla had to pull out to describe all the nouns and organizations and space Catholics that are going on. Um, but yeah, it definitely seems like this should probably have been, maybe, you know, maybe they could have stopped it after, like, the first time, the first pre-rendered cutscene, like, where uh, Shion, you know, absorbs all of the Gnosis ships or whatever. Like, I feel like that, okay, like, that's a game. You can cut it there because there's already so much going on. Um, you can definitely see where, like, the, these could have been split into two. But um, we were not afforded that luxury. We do not live in the good timeline where there were six very easily understandable, uh, but perhaps not ideologically dense Xenosaga's games. We got the one where there's only three, and they um, have enough philosophy terms to, 
you know, kill a small mammal with. Yeah, um, that being said, like, for, for games that are so ideologically dense and that try to do so much shit, I think you described it really well in your notes where it's, like, techno babble, but it's mostly vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the Hilbert effect? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, the Hilbert effect, because this, it's this thing that, like, helps them repel the Gnosis, basically. It makes, it, makes um, the, it pulls the Gnosis, because, like, if you attack a Gnosis while it's just, like, freshly appeared on your lawn... They're not real. They're not in this dimension. The Hilbert effect does something with reverse polarities, and it pulls them into this dimension, so you can beat them with a bat if you wanted to. Yeah, sure. But, like, they, they do the thing where it's like, you know, they don't even do the thing like, oh, you know, say it in English, right? When, when somebody does techno babble, they just do the techno babble. They're just, just like, oh, the Hilbert effect's very easy. And then they say the most, you know, incomprehensible string of nouns and words and like, like they throw in the word particle and polarity um, and they're like and that's how that works and then you know the camera just kind of looks at the audience who's just staring at the fucking character like a deer in headlights and it's they're like anyway we're gonna say that a lot more so i hope you wrote that all down um cut to the next scene uh wild just wild i did i wrote it all down um it's someone had to it's truly like and even it's kind of like the kingdom hearts wiki where like if you read the wiki it's still incomprehensible like (laughs) i was reading the wiki summary for xena saga one i was like wow this doesn't include half the wild shit that happens in this game that is critical to the understanding of games two and three yeah yeah which i am i'm glad that i will have you to shepherd me through um because i don't think i could do this by myself um Two, you know, even even though oh good two is bad i just want to prep you for that two is not a good game it's also ugly um Ugh. you could just listen to it like a podcast it'll be fine um, yeah <laughs> but uh three we do get to see jesus okay that's that's why i'm here largely <laughs> bottled on orlando blue yes that is the thing that sold me on this franchise you were like hey do you know, did you know that Orlando Bloom was Jesus in this video game series? I was like, all right, say no more. We'll do a fucking, you know, I'll watch 24 hours of cutscenes to get to that. It's fine. It's it's worth it. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to see. Um, do you want to touch on the gameplay just because, like, you know, I, I'm not able to speak to that? Cena Saga is the most painfully fucking stupid and complicated turn-based battle system you will ever experience in your goddamn fucking life. I'm not even joking. And all three games find a different way to fuck it up for you. Because not only are you doing a turn-based battle system, you have turn slots, which dictate what type of benefits your turn has. They're randomized. Well, they have a specific order that you have to memorize. And then one of those slots is randomized. They have a boost gauge, an EP gauge, an MP gauge, HP gauge, and an AP gauge. Just gauges everywhere. Um... Momo sucks. Shion sucks for the first two games. They're impossible to play. Momo gets so good for game three. Holy shit. What a redemption arc. She's a fucking champ. Um, you never get to fight as Alan, which is a tragedy for me as an Alan stan. Give the man a gun. <laughs> It'd be really funny if he just had a <laughs> pistol and he was there and did like five damage around and he was like, hell yeah, Alan. You hang in there, buddy. <laughs> so good to me yeah but it's the most batshit thing in the world and like game one you could get through without a guide like fine you'll miss some of the extras like the scythe 
In game two, you cannot touch without a guide. You will not make it through. It's just, you won't, you won't, you just won't. I think I found there's these things called segment addresses, which are like doors that you find the door first, and then you find a key, and then you have to go back, travel, and, and open the door with the key, and they have like cool treasures inside of them. You know, RPG shit. Mm-hmm. I found three out of 18 in the second game without a guide. Cool. In and you the- had to have all 18. You didn't have to, but, like, you get okay. some extra shit and, like, good items. Mm-hmm. Game three, no guide, just fine. Just cruised right through. It was fine. They rebalanced the whole thing. Didn't need a guide for boss battles. Uh, you know, there no cathedrals came out to kick my ass with three different forms. Excellent. <laughs> good. So, uh, you do fight a cathedral. Um, I'm extremely looking forward to that. Yeah, so I'm not sure if there's a cutscene for it. There might be. Um, but, yeah, so the gameplay is... Um, it aged poorly. Let's put it that way. It aged poorly, um, which is yeah, why. Yeah, uh, I mean, you did send me them, and I did, you know, play the first hour of of Xenosaga, and I have to tell you, if I'm being completely honest, Layla, uh, when my PlayStation started stuttering and faltering, the overwhelming emotion <laughs> that that kind of hit my brain was relief. I was like, oh, thank Christ, I don't have to play through this because I did get through, you know, the the going into Shia or um, Cosmos's like, memory, and I was like, oh, they didn't know how to make games before, like, 2005. No, they really didn't. Games were bad. I can't, I just, I'm going to probably be a father one day, and, like, my children are going to be like, oh, what games did you play, uh, Papa? And I'm going to show them, like, <laughs> fucking pokemon they're gonna be like oh if you didn't do a painstaking save process once every fucking 10 minutes you lost all your progress that sounds like hell also these pokemon look like shit uh, i'm gonna be like yeah yeah video games were bad and this was just a great reminder i mean you're playing final fantasy 10 right now which I, I think like the last like maybe the only good example of like a jrpg that has good turn-based like gameplay oh my god so um good. yeah that that but like I've pl- I've tried to play seven. I've tried to play nine. Like, fucking, I don't know how JRPGs got good. Like, Kingdom Hearts, thankfully, was not turn based. It was just how I was able to get through it. But like, ugh, games were not good in the early two thousands. No, they weren't. Um, and as a hobby historian, I can I can definitely, you know, fucking vouch for that. Yeah, it's it's a nightmarish uh, bit of gameplay, and um, I am glad you just watched the cutscenes, even though. You probably, I mean, obviously you missed a few things here and there just based on the fact that there is some stuff that gets exposed not in cutscenes. Um, they did try to, just for as a fun fact, they did try to revive this series by making a Xenosaga 1 plus 2 like combo game for the DS. It only got released in Japan, otherwise I would have found it. Um, I don't know how particularly well it did. I don't think it did well at all. There's also a Xenosaga anime that got received very poorly. It looked bad. Um, but, uh, uh, I will say the soundtracks do slap. These are very well scored video games for the fact that they're confusing and unplayable. Listen, you got to have some selling points. Yes. Uh, some uh, Jin and Margulis's gay battle song is very good. I can't wait for you to hear it. I, I will look forward to it. Um, unfortunately, listeners, you are going to have to hear us talk about the other two games because I'll be goddamned if I got this far <laughs> And I can't turn it into at least two more episodes of content. Um, so we will we will talk about Xenosaga more. Um, Layla, uh, as far as our mortified marketing minute goes, oh boy, um, I'm wondering 
if do you do you like philosophy? Do you have a favorite philosopher? Um, no, because I'm not a dweeb. Well, I am a dweeb. I'm not that kind of dweeb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm just hmm, if it's not philosophy, then like what? Hmm. What what uh perhaps major world religion <laughs> uh would you turn into a JRPG if given the opportunity? Oh, Russian paganism. Oh, that's good. Are you kidding me? That's easy for me. Russian paganism. Just fucking, you know, Perun, the wind god, Papa God. He's got there's a there's a father god and a mother god, and then there's like um there's another god that's, like, one of the main pantheon who's always, like, with Perun as an old man. I'm like, ooh, family drama? You know? I think there there could be some some of that. Um, yeah, no, that's easy for me. Just, like, give me any petty pantheon and I can make a JRPG out of it. Would you... How would you tackle either a different religion or perhaps a, another Catholic moment? Yeah, I mean, the problem is that, like, I would... I, before I actually read Nietzsche, I would have said Nietzsche was my favorite philosopher. Um... And I, you know, this game is very Catholic. So like in theory, right, this is the game that I would make, but um, perhaps I would make it differently. I think, you know, but we talk about the Gnosis a lot in this game. And I think it would be very interesting to do a JRPG based around early Christian heresies like Gnosticism um, and just like get into the very stupid philosophical arguments they had about whether or not Jesus was a god, whether or not he uh, actually rose from the dead, or whether or not he just like got his body stolen, um, or whether or not he was a man and a god, or uh, you know fully god or just a man, um, or whether or not Jesus had a soul, or whether or not you know the god God and Jesus and the Trinity are different people or the same or three in one. Um, yeah, there's a lot of real dumb bullshit uh, if you want to talk about theology uh, that I think I could absolutely turn into incomprehensible JRPG, which, by the way you're looking at me, suggests that it might just be Xenosagas 2 and 3, so we'll see. No, I just, I got lost in the, in your Christian sauce there for a second of all the petty arguments of... Listen, I didn't learn that much in high school, but I did learn a lot in my Catholic <laughs> history course. Uh, so there's that. Yeah, buddy, I can see that. I you know um wowzy wow was that's <laughs> yeah i want that <sighs> game from you i want i want a petty christian game from you listen one day we're working towards it uh listeners if you want to call our hotline at 775-573-8882 to let us know what you would major world religion <laughs> or philosophy you would turn into a jrpg uh please let us know um layla if if people you know want to hear more of your thoughts about christianity and also uh its intersection with with russia um where can people find you on the internet oh my god so glad you asked um so people can find me at l-e-y-l-s-e-s on tumblr twitter and instagram where i'm currently working on an essay about final fantasy x and how much i love it and how good it is and you all suck for thinking it's cringy um it's a very aggressive lovable ode Um, I am also working on, if you found my seven-minute summary of this game fascinating, I am working on a two-hour-ish video essay about the entire Zeta Saga franchise that I am planning to release after we finish our little Mortified series on it so that I don't have to spoil Aaron about my thoughts on it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Monday, or Wednesday... Yes. Well, we're recording tomorrow, but it'll be released Wednesday. Released Wednesday. I'm going to become the Bible boy. The fourth Mm -hmm. Bible boy. No, the fifth. Sorry. Or the sixth? 
We have a lot of extra Bible <laughs> voice, but yes, you will become a part of our pantheon. Uh, Layla is graciously joining me and Josh for History Corner while, um, you know, they explained the Christianization of Kiev and Rus, which will be uh, very interesting. Uh, so I can't wait for that. Um, if you want to find me on the internet, you can find me at AaronXXL on Twitter, where I talk about uh, health policy and tabletop RPGs. Um, hopefully, you know, the same day that this episode goes up, I will have a review of uh, Kyle Tam's Mariah, which is also a very Old Testament-y tabletop RPG. Um, I also do the aforementioned Bible Boys, which is at the Bible Boys. So check uh, me and Josh and Layla out on that. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla... Uh, as we wrap up our first of three conversations about Xenosaga and people are feeling a little bit uh, irritated that you uh, sent them down this path, uh, what do you have to say to our audience? Feed me your hostility. Pierce me with your hatred. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. <laughs>